Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 14th day of February. I'm Paul White. Thanks for joining me on Valentine's Day. I am. Uh, I don't have a theologically themed, Valentine's themed, rather, uh, sermon or lesson or podcast for you today. I figure you can handle the Valentine's Day theme on your own. I want to continue in a, in the text in which we're talking about Genesis 26, and we dealt with Isaac digging the wells. When you get to the end of the chapter, he has this oath ceremony with Abimelech. I read through it. I I meditated on it, prayed over it. I didn't have a place to land on that for a podcast, basically other than to say that Isaac established an altar and enforced an oath with his neighbor after he had a revelation of God, which maybe says that as we see Jesus, and I'm using a Christian term in the midst of a Jewish text, I realize, but as we have a revelation of the goodness of God, we have a revelation of Jesus, that eternal spring of water in our soul, it will affect how we treat our neighbor. I think that's a, a principle that the Abimelech oath with Isaac follows Isaac building an altar. So as you love the Lord your God with your heart, all your heart, then you love your neighbor as yourself. So it's it's sort of the cross. It's the vertical and the horizontal. But that's not really today's podcast. Today's podcast has to do with this final verse. Uh, let's read the final two verses of Genesis 26. When Esau was 40 years old, he took as wives Judith, the daughter of Biri the Hittite, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. It's that final verse that really jumped at me. I sat for a long time, stared at that verse, rolled it over in my head, thought about it, and considered moving on because I couldn't land my feet in the right spot for a while. And I thought, well, I don't just want to get on to the podcast and read a verse and just give an opinion and move on. The, the whole purpose, we're not trying to go verse by verse with this. We're going topic by topic, story by story. But I'm skipping the ones that aren't jumping at me. And so why land here if I don't have to? But I couldn't get away from it. There's just something about that phrase. They were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebecca. And in the, in the most simplistic language, before we get deep at all, it just seems like the choices that our children make can exhaust us. We see Isaac and Rebekah exhausted at the decisions that Esau has made. Particularly, he marries two Canaanite women, and it seems as if he marries them either at the same time or very closely together. And it shows us that he, had, he didn't learn anything from his own father because Isaac, you know that we, we relayed the story of Isaac and Rebekah. Esau had to have heard how Isaac and Rebekah met one another, that Isaac refused to take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, but instead uh, went and married someone from his own tribe, his own home. Esau doesn't take that into account and instead takes two wives of the Canaanites, a people that he has no relation to whatsoever. Now, in our modern vernacular, we like to romanticize things. We might say, well, he fell in love with these, but even that falls apart. It's not as if his eyes lock upon this woman like his dad did with Rebecca, and he falls for her. It's two women. It's two Canaanite women 
whom we don't know anything about. We don't get their backstories, which is another way of saying that it was just incidental. And, and this is an exhausting thing to Isaac and Rebecca. So exhausting, in fact, that at the end of Genesis 27, Rebecca says to Isaac, I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. Um, in other words, this incident with Esau has exhausted me. I don't want to see this happen to Jacob. And as we will find, it doesn't. But my big thing is, as I read this, is what do we do with this? Well, I'm blessed. My children haven't exhausted me. Oh, I've had some moments of concern and stress for sure. I've had to pray over them with the decisions they've made and watch them deal with some of their decisions and sometimes watch them deal with their failures. Yes, but I I feel like that's just part of the parental responsibility. I'm blessed to say that they don't exhaust their mother or I, and I'm not spending day and night worried about them. So I don't really know what Isaac and Rebecca are going through in Genesis 26:35. So I brought that to the Lord to say, how do I say something to my audience, many of whom do have children who have exhausted them? And not just kids, but adult children who continue to exhaust them through the decisions they make, through the the relationships they enter into, through the, the, the way they conduct their business and the way they conduct their lives, the way they raise their kids, whatever. So what do I say to you? Well, I don't know what to tell you to do with kids that exhaust you. I don't know how to tell you to handle it. I receive emails and messages from people a lot that ask advice on their own children. And many times my response is, I'll pray wisdom for you because it takes a particular wisdom to do these things properly, not simply someone else's advice. But where I really found my own peace in looking at this text for you on the DDP was when I realized two things. Number one, even though Esau is a grief of mine to Isaac and Rebekah, in the next chapter, Genesis 27, Isaac is tricked into blessing Jacob over Esau. But if you go read the prayer that Isaac prayed over Jacob, he thinks he's praying over Esau. In Genesis 27, verses 27, 28, and 29, Surely the smell of my sons like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you the dew of heaven, the fat of the earth, plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you. Nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren. Let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you. Blessed be those who bless you. And though that ends up being prayed over Jacob, Isaac thinks he's praying it over Esau, which tells me this. Even though Esau was a grief of mind, Isaac didn't stop believing in him. And he didn't stop praying over him. And he didn't stop believing that he was the very best he could possibly be. And if anything, maybe that's what we do when we have grief of mind over our children. And the second thing is this. I've been a grief of mind to my heavenly father. I'm his son. And I know I've grieved his mind more than once. But the father has never stopped believing in me. You've been a grief of mind, if you're honest, more than once to God. But God has never stopped loving you, chasing you, being concerned with you. So whether or not your children or my children are griefs of mind, let's realize that we have been, and He loves us anyway.
And maybe on Valentine's Day, that's the best kind of love there is to talk about. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.